0: Hey, you're listening to Chew on That, and here's what we're chewing on today.
1: The reason Christmas is all about gifts is because it was founded on the principle of a gift when it was founded on the gift of a person. In the midst of chaos and rebellion, God took the one thing that was most valuable to him, and he gave it. He gave him as a gift, a gift for you and a gift for me. Look what the gospel of Luke says. And Joseph went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I mean, the gift was even wrapped. <laughs> that's bad that's worse than a dad joke that's a that's a pastor joke i literally read that whole scripture just so i could say that the gift was wrapped that's so cheesy but anyway i want to talk about the gift that's on everybody's list this season in a message we're calling love much uh-huh.
0: Hey, hi, welcome to Chew on That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay, and you're joining us for the Chew on This podcast. Nope, you're joining us for the <laughs> Chew on That podcast. The Chew on This podcast is the sequel coming next season. I'm just kidding. It totally isn't. But uh, so on the Chew on That podcast, what we do is we dig deeper into and discuss um, details of the most recent sermon from the current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. In fact, uh, this week, uh, we're covering Pastor Sean's message, Love My Much, which is the third and final message in the Live, Laugh, Love series. And so joining me today is my friend, Beth Medford. Say hi, Beth. Hi. I'm so glad that you're here today. A lot of people may not know you like I know you, so maybe tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Um, I am... Relatively new to Green Bay. Been here about six years. Prior to that, I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh, um, which I don't think I knew that. A, yeah, yeah. Born and raised. Went through undergraduate in Fairbanks. Wow. Um, I am a physician, so I'm a pediatric cardiologist. So I spent let's see, four years of my life in Portland, Oregon, going to medical school, three years in San Diego, going to residency. I then went back and was a pediatrician for about seven years in um, interior Alaska, Fairbanks. And then I went to fellowship at Mayo Clinic to be a pediatric cardiologist and then got recruited here from there. So I've kind of lived all over.
0: That's really incredible because just yesterday it was announced that the Badgers are playing in the Mayo Bowl. Oh, right on. Just kidding. It's <laughs> the Duke mayonnaise bowl, but like, I just feel like, <laughs> so th- there's a lot there though. Like a, what school did you attend in Portland? Cause I love Portland.
2: Uh, Oregon health sciences university. So that's the medical school there. It's affiliated oh, yeah. with the state schools.
0: Oh, mm, <laughs> University that is the last letter. <laughs> <laughs> and then where in San Diego? Um, did you do I was
2: actually in the Navy. Oh. So, um I did my residency at the Naval Medical Center San Diego, which sure. has a partnership with Rady um Children's Hospital for their pediatric residency. Mhm. That's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Um Yep. And then after my residency, I actually did an inter-service transfer to the Air Force. Wow. Where they had an opening in my hometown.
0: Do people Um, even get hurt in the Air Force? It doesn't even seem like anything (laughs) happens to Air Force people.
2: I'm going to pass on that. This is me as a Navy guy (laughs) talking smack about- The the Navy people will tell you we have more planes than the Air Force. Right. But I can't say that anymore because now I was Air Force. Um, So, yeah. And then I stayed on as a civilian once I finished my payback obligation to the Air Force.
0: So then, so you said the payback obligation. So Mm -hmm. then, like, so you left- All of medical school, like debt free, then? Like, as far as that's awesome. Yeah. What a cool gig.
2: It is. My undergrad was on scholarship as well, which is nice.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Because no one lives like Navy officers. Like, I feel like (laughs) Navy officers, like, kind of got it made. Like, I feel like that's not, I don't even know if that's really serving. I'm just kidding. It totally (laughs) isn't. I'm I'm just teasing. So, then how did you you end up in Green Bay, Wisconsin? So, um,
2: that's an interesting story. I think that is very much a God story. Um, It just. You know, so many things throughout my life have just lined up. And Mm. this is one of those things. I planned to return to Alaska after Mm. my fellowship training. I even went and spent a month with the group that I was going to train or going to join there during my training at Mayo. Um, But I went to a job fair and was walking around with friends of mine, and very few people are looking for pediatric cardiology because it's such a specialty. Um, And so, At each booth, I would say, well, I'm pediatric cardiology. Do you have anything? And they would say, no, we're looking for pediatricians or family practice. And I heard down the row, pediatric cardiology, come to Green Bay. (laughs) And I looked, and this woman was waving her hand at me. Wow. And I went down there, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm really just here with friends. I have a job. I'm not coming to green Bay. Um, didn't even really know where green Bay was. Nobody does. And, um, she said, have you signed a contract yet? (laughs) And I said, no, but I have the contract. Um, and she, she asked me to come and interview. I said that I, my actual response was that wouldn't be honest of me because it's, it's kind of a, you know, they pay to bring you and they pay for you to stay and for your food and things. I said, I'm not coming to green Bay, so I shouldn't do that. And she said, it's fine. <laughs> she said, you come and enjoy. Um, she said, we we have a... She started to name all the sports things that you have. And I said, I'm not into sports. Yeah. Um, and then she started naming all the outdoors things. And I said, well, now you've got me. I'm an Alaska girl. So I like the outdoors. Um, I came and interviewed and just really enjoyed the people here. Yeah. There were, again, a God thing. There were several little things that lined up. Um, we ran into a couple at Bay Beach while we were there with our kids, and um, just went, these are so much like our friends back home, just oh. the, and it's true, Alaskans are very much like Midwesterners. We're That's just, cool. yeah, we, you know, we don't pass people on the street without picking them up if they need help or stopping to share our phone or give them gas or whatever. You know, we're just, you look after each other. Yep. I think because we live in a more, a difficult to live place, you know, so we help each other out. Um, so that, um, actually this, a little funny story, we don't take too much time, but, um, kind of the deciding factor was we were in the hotel room and my, um, husband at the time was saying, I'm not wearing a tie. And I said, Scott, we're not moving to green Bay. Anyway, I'm interviewing them. They're not interviewing me. You can wear anything you want. And so he kind of said, fine, I'm going to wear khakis. And I said, Fine, Scott, you can wear shorts for all I care. I don't care, even though we're going to a nice dinner. So he wore a blue polo shirt, khaki pants, a black belt, and black shoes, and we showed up. And my future partner, the other cardiologist, steps out of his car, and he's wearing a blue polo shirt, khaki pants, a black <laughs> belt, and black shoes. And Scott said, "Okay, hmm. I think this is probably the place wow. for us."
0: That's awesome. So,
2: yeah, that and then a lot of other things got us sure. here. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so, where do you practice? Did you say that and I just wasn't paying attention? No, I didn't say it. I, I'm with Prevea, oh, No, okay. no,
2: yep, yeah, Prevea Clinic um, on Allaway, which or on Webster Avenue in Allaway, which is right near Saint Vincent's. Yep. I'm the only pediatric cardiologist that lives here in Green Bay. Wow. So some of the other systems will bring cardiologists up for clinics from either Milwaukee or Madison, Um, but I live here and I'm part of the community. That's awesome.
0: Tell me more about your faith. Did you, were you raised mm. as a Jesus person or was that a late find? Not at
2: all. Ah. Um, so my mom's religious heritage is Jew, Jewish. No she kidding. is a half Jewish. Yep. Wow. Um, so I'm a quarter and I did my DNA testing and it is in fact true. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, so my dad is atheist. Hmm. Um, and I think he always has been, I think he was raised in that way. God wasn't spoken about in our house. Um, hmm. You know, to say Jesus, I think was, would have been almost an embarrassing feeling in my home growing up. And I think I probably would have gotten made fun of at home if I'd said it. Um, I did go to church with friends and I always was kind of drawn to certainly the music. The music has always spoken to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were times even before um, I began my Jesus journey, before I even believed in the Bible or in Jesus, um, that I would cry during Hmm. religious. And I listened to the Christian channels and, yeah. um, I remember people walking in my office at work and I would say, I'm, don't worry, I'm not like crazy. I just, I like the music <laughs> because I play Christian music in my office and always have, um, come the my Jesus during my, I feel like again, God was just, it was the right time. And he sent me sign after sign after sign. Hmm. So, um, I had a really tough time in 2016 when my, 23 year marriage ended, um, started going to therapy. My therapist is a Christian, which just happened that way. Um, and she very slowly kind of, I remember the first time she asked me, do I have a faith? And I said, I absolutely believe in God, which is true. I had sort of a a epiphany moment at my, my brother died at Mm. 30 when I was 24. Mm. Um, and I had a moment during his wake when I just, there was no doubt in my mind that there's a God and he was in a good place. And kind of this yeah. this feeling of peace came over me and I was just so grateful for that. And ever since then, I've said, there absolutely is a higher power, there's a God. Um, but I said to her, but you know, the Bible, it was written by men and yeah, I'm sure Jesus was a great teacher, but I don't think he was a son of God.
0: Yeah.
2: And I remember she just kind of nodded and said, okay. <laughs> and waited. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I dated for a man after my I, my my marriage was over. Uh, he actually is the one who brought me to Life Church. Oh. When I first met him, um, I remember we were sitting on his back patio, and I don't remember what we were talking about, but at some point he said, "Yeah, I'm a Jesus guy." And I remember almost like stepping back in my head, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. "Oh boy." Yeah, yeah. Um, but eventually he got me here, and from the first day I walked in the doors, I was just like, "This." is such a place of love. Mm. And I mean, perfect for this sermon this weekend, yeah. yeah. Um, Love and support and just positivity. One of the problems I've always had with, with religion, and I'm doing air quotes, um, is the, uh, just how judgmental it is and Mm -hmm. how um, isolating it can be for certain groups. And, you know, and I always said, you know, how, how can you say your, your group is going to heaven and not my group? Um, Part of that was my brother was an atheist and he's gone. Um, So I think I resisted it for a long time thinking, well, if he didn't believe, then he's not in heaven. And how can I believe in something that says that? Um, I came to terms with that through kind of through my whole process. And I remember one particular friend of mine who's amazing um, said, we have no idea what happened between Jason and God at any point in his life or, you know, at the point of his death, um, So, and I hold on to that. I think, you know, I, true, don't know what happened, but um, I believe my brother's in heaven. Hmm. So coming here um, with the man that I was dating and then um, my therapist just slowly, she knows that I'm very analytical. I'm a scientist. So she recommended book after book and, and I'm a pretty avid reader. So, um, mere Christianity is now my favorite book of all time. I absolutely love it. I, I open it frequently and just, it was like reading it was epiphany after epiphany and, and all of the arguments that I've always given, you know, well, sure. God, Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't the son of God. And, um, the point is made in that book that, well, he either was a, was the son of God or he was crazy. Right? Like you can't yep. have, he, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so many revelations. And then, um, uh, cold case for Christ. And, you know, so many that start with people who started out as atheists, who went through the process of analyzing and then came to the conclusion that... Yeah. that the, and then, of course, I took Alpha with you. Right. I took Alpha a couple times, actually. Um, just a slow progression of, you know, realizing that I need this in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I have always felt blessed. Like, I think that's probably my biggest gift from God is that... I, you know, uh, the sermons have been on um, love and joy. Um, and I feel like I was born with a loving, joyful heart. Yeah, I think that's not true for everyone. And so I think everyone can have a loving, joyful heart, but some people have to really work at it. And I've never had to work at that. And I'm mm. so thankful for that. Um, even before I was a Christian, I felt blessed just in my life in general, like uh, things work out. Yeah. And... Um, and now I'm even more thankful that, you know, I've started on this Jesus Journey and um, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. It's overwhelming. I
0: love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well this isn't the Beth Medford show. This yeah, is in fact I know. <laughs> <laughs> just teasing you. Just teasing you. So we're gonna we're gonna jump. Up. I can't wait to get your insights onto this message. So let's just jump in and we'll listen to that first sound bite right now.
1: Love, it's not only the definitive characteristic of God, it's the central theme of the entire Bible. There are 393 verses that talk about love and not a surface love either, a love that's vast, that's deep, that's broad. God always wanted us to love much, but how much? Jesus actually tells us in the Gospel of John. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you so you must love one another. This is how everyone will know you're my disciples. If you love each other, he said, you have to love as much as I loved. How much did he love? First John tells us, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He loved us with his life, and that scripture just said he expects us to do the same. Uh, I'm old,
0: and when I was uh, a kid in high school, Um, I I mean, I was, I was brought up in the faith. My mom was Catholic. My dad was Pentecostal. And so, you know, we went to two churches on Sundays. And so there's plenty of Jesus in my life, but I just understood him like in a, I don't even want to say an academic way, but just like in a, you know, just like a church way. I just knew him through Mm -hmm. church. I knew him almost as much as I was Polish. You know, I was Christian. It was my, you know, ethnicity. It was my genealogy more than it was. My life, but even back then in high school, there was this guy. He was an author back then. um, His name was Leo Bascalia, and he wrote a bunch of books. But he had this book called Love, and it was just about like how to be a good person, right? And so, the modern day version of Leo Bascalia's Love would be Bob Goss' version of it, called Love Does, which is like a a, you know like a a, like a fourth, fifth gospel for me. So, but like. Like you, I'd always been, I'd always identified as being a loving person. Like love just meant everything to me. Like it wasn't just something that, you know, you professed because there was a cute girl and you felt like you wanted to kiss her. And so you better confess to love or something or like where I just felt like I just, I don't know, like I love people. I loved being around people. I loved making people happy. I loved doing kind things for people. And it was just always part of my DNA. I love what you said actually in your intro, Beth, because you had talked about how even before you knew Jesus you felt like love and joy were innate to you. And that's not something that everyone has. And I'm not often thankful for my love and joy. Like sometimes I resent my love and joy because it also makes me hypersensitive. Because if I'm like like a hyper lover, that sounds really gross. I don't mean it in a gross way. But if like, if, if my nature is love, like there's not many people that can keep up with that. You know, like there's not many people that so I, it's a curse to the people that are around me because I expect me from them. Right. And so, so I don't know that I've ever thanked God for the amount of innate joy and love that I have in me until you mentioned it, you know, in your introduction. And so I just, I, I, I love this idea that late in life now at, I don't know, whatever I was when I started figuring this out, 45 or so that, and the whole thing is about love. The whole faith thing is about love. And I had thought that the whole thing was about religion. Not that there's anything wrong with religion because it helps us know what the structure of our faith is and the rhythm of our faith. But like without love, I just feel like it's empty, you know? I do. You were supposed I to do. say more words right
2: okay, there. Okay, I can. <laughs> I can because I was thinking. Um, so I have, I have one sibling left. I had my brother. Um, and my sister, I mean, she's amazing. She's a great lady, but I don't think that she was born with the same Mm. joy in her heart. Um, and she's, I can't say she's struggled per se with, you know, air quotes again, but, um, but I feel like she is one of those people who has to work at it Mm. to feel the joy and love. So for me, I've seen that I I've, you know, lived parallel with the opposite, not so much the opposite, but not quite as much. And I, and like it's a, made like a control me,
1: group, right yes, like, yeah, yeah,
2: and it has made me thankful. Um, I can't imagine waking without joy, you know, um, I think a lot of people suffer um, depression and things like that i've I can tell you postpartum with my second child, I had just a touch of it, mm. and in fact when i when I started to come out, I said to my husband at the time. I think I was depressed. And he said, oh, do you think? <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I, I, I have an idea what that's like. Um, not a lot, but I'm so thankful to God that, that I've not suffered with that. And I honestly think that it gives me, um, it, it just, again, so thankful, just like I'm thankful I don't have diabetes, just like I'm thankful, you know, that physically I'm healthy. I'm so thankful that he gave me I don't, I don't know why he did like why he blessed me Mm. um, with just a positive spirit. Yeah. Um, But again, because I've seen people who don't have it and I, and I, I wish that they could, I wish I could give it to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. And I feel like there shouldn't be like, there's no cap on the love. Like when he, when Sean was talking about how this is how you know what love is, is to lay down your life for a friend. And like, I mean, I know that there's like great movies and stories and novels and tall tales about people that, you know, sacrifice their lives for others and certainly none greater than that of Jesus Christ. But like, like that tells me that there's no limit to how much we're supposed to be loving someone like that. Mm-hmm. that, that there's not there's not a high end That it's just it goes forever. And like to be able to love like that, you know, even just to even just to live in such a way that you're striving for that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone of us really get that, even if we're like crazy about. Our spouse or we're crazy even about our kids kids are a different thing like i feel yeah. like yeah i feel like i'd kill for my
2: kids. i was just sitting here thinking yeah. what if we could love everyone like we love our kids yeah, that's it i mean we always stick up for our kids yep. you know that other kids always wrong uh, yep. Yep, <laughs> you know it's sure. it's you you at least give them the benefit of the doubt until it's absolutely clear that your kid was in the wrong right you know what if we could treat everyone with the same love that we give our kids yeah that would be amazing
0: yeah. The same, the same grace. Yes. You know, they seem like I'm going to, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Here, yes. Right. Or I'm going to, you know, like too often people want to play devil's advocate and not often enough that they want to play God's advocate. Right. They want to like, hey, I let me that. just tell you what was wrong with this situation. What could possibly go wrong? Or what's wrong with this person, but what if we were God's advocate and say, what, let me tell you what could possibly go right here. or What's good about this person and just assume the best of people rather than the worst.
2: Pastor Scott, I don't think I've ever heard that term. No. To be God's advocate. Like, and yeah. I've heard devil's advocate right. a million times. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. use that. Thanks. That's
1: <laughs> Make good sure one. you give me credit. Yeah, I will. <laughs> love, love, it's not passive. True love is active. Look at what St. Matthew said. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. I wonder if you saw the order there. It says, Jesus went, Jesus saw, Jesus felt. Jesus went, then Jesus saw, then Jesus felt. So many of us, we do the opposite.
2: I want a bumper sticker that says that, Pastor Scott.
1: Yeah,
0: right? Wouldn't it really be do. awesome? would be awesome? I, I, one thing that I feel like is missing from our society and whether you're just talking about, I don't know, our state or our country or even our world is this idea of, of, of a lack of empathy or a lack of even wanting to understand other people. I don't even want to hear from somebody else. I I do, but I feel like we as a people feel Mm -hmm. like I want a a shortcut to that. I'm just going to make my own assumptions about you based on what you look like or what you dress like or where you live or where you work. I'm too lazy to figure out who you are, so I'm just going to assume who you are based on what I can see and what I know. And I'm definitely not gonna to try to figure out what your feelings are. I'm definitely not gonna to try to listen to you to hear your way or hear your part or hear your perspective. So I'm just gonna jump in and make my assumptions and then I'm gonna judge you on that. And like we do that all the time and it feels like social media where it should have given us more insight to know people deeper has just given us more reason to be divisive and more reason just to make assumptions about people mm-hmm. and just to judge them and and cast them off or to disregard them. And I feel like that's the opposite of what Jesus was saying we should be doing by feeling for someone, like trying to, you know, understand. We did this thing at the beginning of the year, one of the podcasts, we did a special edition of a podcast um, where we sat down with... Um, uh, I sat down with with a few dudes that I know, that around the around racial divisiveness, and because you know, like you growing up in Fairbanks, Fairbanks, Alaska. Alaska <laughs> I kept wanting to say Anchorage, but because there, there's two towns. As far Alaskans
2: will tell you the best thing about Anchorage is it's really close to Alaska.
0: Oh, really? It's a big city. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but Fairbanks is not.
2: No, Fairbanks is a much smaller town, and it's. Fairly isolated, um, kind of you know. To get to Anchorage, you have to drive. Well, it's about three hundred and fifty miles or so. Wow. With very little in between, just uh, one lane going one way, one lane going the other. Mm-hmm. You know. Is there
0: a Costco in Fairbanks?
2: There is now. There oh. didn't used to be. We used to have Sam's Club only. Oh, and nice. then actually, Sam's Club went out of business, and Costco moved <gasps> in. No kidding. No kidding.
0: That's that was I like that, that was just I don't recent. Know why? I don't know why I feel better about that. I used to work at Sam's Club. Oh, when it opened here in Green Bay, like that was my first job out of the Navy was selling memberships for Sam's Club. I love that. Anyway, so <laughs> but I, I grew up here in Green Bay, and growing up, this is going to show you how small-minded I am. Growing up, um, there were hardly any people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, there were an influx of of Asians who had come over. By invitation of the Catholic Church, because this was just shortly after the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of Laotian and Hmong people that the Catholic charities, like, sponsored their immigration here, which is fantastic now looking back Mm -hmm. on it. But other than that, like, there wasn't a big Latino uh, um, population. And, like, if there were um, African-American people, like— This is going to say, please don't send letters to the church, but (laughs) they were like, they were Packers players. If there was a, if there was an African-American player or person in town, they were a Packers player, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so like the idea of like a middle-class African-American person was foreign to me. Like, there was just like, like I've said this before, like there's no, the idea of a, there's that, that there's a that there's an African American person buying a brand new Honda Accord, like that's just not even a thing. (laughs) Like I feel like they're either like super duper rich because they're entertainers or they're athletes or they're down on their luck, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better stupid, close-minded Wisconsin way to say it. But anyway, so I sat down with these three dudes, all like successful in their own right. One is a a middle school educator here in town. One has his own business here in town. One is a former athlete that's now a personal and professional trainer, right? And so to hear them talk about their experience, this is where I was going, boy, we Mm -hmm. took a long way to get here. Anyway, (laughs) about their experience, right? Like I never sat down and heard. And this one guy was talking about how he was living here and he was, Married at the time, had kids, and he was running down because he was taking classes at Fox Valley Tech down in Appleton, and he was driving down the 41 to get to Fox Valley Tech, and uh, policeman hmm. like passed him, looked at him, and then pulled out in front of him and pulled him over, and before he could say anything, got him out of the car, handcuffed him, and put him on the ground, right, and like he was there, he said My for gosh. like 15 or 20 minutes, right, and then the cop like let him up and said, nope, sorry, we had the wrong guy, and mm-hmm. then that was it. And like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know anything about that. Right. I don't know anything about like, like telling my kids, listen, when you're driving, if a police stops you, this is what you should do. Make sure that you blah, 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 blah. Like I'll tell them, do whatever the officer says. Right. But like there's a whole extra set of right. circumstances that I don't know. And so like my point was, is that we have to start listening to other people, people that are different than us to understand what their lives are like, because we're trying to apply the overlay. Of our lives onto their lives, and right. saying, if this doesn't match up, they must be broken. They must be stupid. They must be worthless. They must be no good. They must be like whatever, right? When I was a kid, we had encyclopedias. This was before the internet. And so, like, I remember at the back of one of my world book encyclopedias was um, I'm pointing to Beth, I don't know why, but there was like a, <laughs> this overlay of the human body, right? And there was one overlay that was like the oh, sure. organs, mm-hmm. and one overlay that was like the nerves, and one was the muscles, right? Like, it was so I cool had that book. <laughs> that, right. And it's just so cool to see that. But we do that in our lives. We're overlaying our stuff onto someone else's lives, and it doesn't match up. Right. And so we disregard them. We shorthand, you know, them as a person, and say, "Oh, you're not worth it to me because you're not like me. You're different than me. You vote different, or you work different. And so I'm going to disregard you." And I hate that. And I love that the Bible says, "Stop doing that." Mm-hmm. That people should know that we're Christians by our love, not by, you know, who we voted for, or what car we drive, or what, I don't know, where we work. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like I feel like that's such a big part of love that we're missing out, and so many Christians are missing out on it today. You know where. Christians will just if you didn't vote for my guy, right. You know, then you're all screwed up and like I hate you. You know, I just today I posted something and I'm try, I try really hard not to be political. And some people even are mad at me for that. They call mm-hmm. me a short-sighted or you're sticking your head in the sand. I don't feel like I am. But I posted something about how as a person of a certain age, meaning someone older than the age of 48, I've got a scar on my arm from getting sure. uh, the smallpox vaccine. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're if you're not that old, you probably don't have the smallpox scar on your arm because the vaccine eradicated, for the most part, the disease. Right, right. I didn't think I was being fight picky by doing that. I just thought I was saying, listen, <laughs> this is the thing, and so. Oh uh, boy! Then, right, but then everyone <laughs> wants to pick a political fight. Right about that. And I, you know, it's weird that we do that with healthcare. So as a healthcare professional, like that's gotta be difficult for you when you're like, this is just the right thing scientifically to do. And right. it, it can still match up with my faith. Maybe that's the part of it too.
2: Yeah. It's super hard for me. Um, when people, you know, this is a profession that I've given my life to, that I gave my twenties to and part of my thirties too. you know, when I was, every, my friends were out partying and I was working, 120 hour weeks. Cause that's right. before we had work week rules for trainees. Um, and to hear people say that we have some kind of agenda as physicians that, um, you know, it's a conspiracy or it's this mm. or that. And, you know, this is something that I've, that I'm passionate about. I went into medicine to heal and right. to serve. Um, so yeah, it hurts to the core yeah. when people talk about, physicians in general or the, or the medical community in general. And, you know, yeah, our our medical system is broken in a lot of ways. I mean, everybody knows that, but, um, I don't know a physician who went into it for the money or, or, you know, for some conspiracy or things like that. Um, I wanted to go back to what you said about giving people the benefit of the doubt, because that is huge for me. If you ask my therapist, she'd tell you I do that too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and She says it makes me naive, but you know what? I think I would rather be naive um, than bitter and yeah. not, not doing that. An amazing book by Brent Hansen is unoffendable. I don't hmm. know if you've read it. I it is, it? oh my God, I have given it as gifts, particularly to young adults. Um, it is a terrific book. And one of the things he says is you don't know the motivations of others. You don't even know your own motivations. Only Jesus knows your motivations. Only God really knows, you know, even yeah. in your own mind, you don't know what you are motivated by. So you can't begin to assume what someone else is. Yeah. And if you, you know, time that someone's comments on social media or, or just makes an assumption anyway, my thinking is you have a choice. You can either assume that that person meant the best or you can assume that that person meant the worst. And you're equally likely to be right or wrong in either yeah. case. Yeah. So why would you choose to assume the worst? Why not make the choice to just assume that they meant whatever they said in a positive way? But yeah. so many people jump immediately to the negative assumption. Uh, the other one that, that comes to mind with that is the screw tape letters. Yes. And um, when um, Wormwood, right? Yes. Is being taught by uh, his mentor and the mentor is telling him, okay, here's what you do. You tell the mother that... <laughs> She should assume the son will take whatever she says at face value. He won't put any kind of uh, meaning behind it. But then you, um, then you, she, assu- you tell her to assume that the son will always take what she says exactly as she meant it. Okay. So basically, and then he says the opposite to the son. So basically, mm-hmm. saying. Uh, always tell one to always read their own meaning into what others say, but assume that the others are not doing that to them. Yeah. And he says, and then just sit back and watch what happens. Young Wormwood, because yeah, he wants, yeah. he's trying right. to create strife right. and that's exactly how we create strife. And it's a choice. I mean, why can't we just assume that people are doing the right thing and doing thing for the right reason, rather than thinking that they're trying to be, uh, you know, political or, or whatever it is. Yeah. We put our own. And we do that
0: like to our detriment, we're always working on a narrative. Like if you think that you're never, that you're not, on working on a narrative right. person, you're wrong. Right, right. And so, what I'll do in that situation, if I'm if I'm playing the devil's advocate, if I'm assuming the worst of someone, I'm going to write that whole narrative out. I'm going right. to look, I'm going to watch what they do, and I'm going to assign value to that. I'm going to, yes. and then I'll start projecting an outcome. Here's what they're going to go next, and yes. then they're going to. And so then, by the time I actually talk to them, you're I'm already mad already. At them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm ready to punch them in the face. Yes, you know, and we just do that with everybody. Right. We have no idea what their context is. We have no idea what's going exactly. on with them right now. You know, and so like, I just feel like it's so important just to just to give people grace. Yes. Right. And it's, you know, grace is more than just a prayer before dinner, right? Like, I feel like it's got to be how we live our lives. Because like it's not just for their benefit, but for, for our benefit. How heavy must it be if you walk around in life with this with this false and negative narrative about everybody? Well, no wonder why you're exhausted. No matter why you want to get drunk. No matter why you, you want to, like, I don't know, lash out. Because exactly. you're, you're carrying all this negative burden all the time. But what if you just woke up one day and said, you know What? as far as the guy driving on the street that's driving too slow or the guy that's driving too fast, I'm going to assume mm-hmm. the best of that mm-hmm. or worst or better. <laughs> what if we assume that of the people that we live with? Cause sometimes we wake right. up and we do the same thing with the people we live. with. We don't give them the better. Probably of the even data, more so right, than probably the more so. Like, and then we write that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. we work on it all day at work. And then we, sometimes we even give it voice. So we give it life to like the, our friends at work in the break room or like, and then you know what she did? La 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 la. Did she really do right. that? Nope. But I think that's what's coming next. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's well. You should totally that. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I should totally that. I deserve better than this. You get home and you're all p.o'd, right? And like, and like your spouse is like, I don't even know what's happening. And then so then they'll say something like, I'm tired of walking on eggshells around you all the time, right? And like, you're like eggshells, rah rah (laughs) rah. You could pick up a pan and cook something, rah rah rah. Like, that's how like our relationships are just like they blow up on this Mm -hmm. idea of not extending grace, right?
2: And even for people who typically are positive and happy. They have terrible things happen. I give bad news all the time yeah. in my job. And when I'm, I encounter someone say in the store or whatever, who's grumpy or angry or whatever, you know, you don't know that they weren't just given terrible news. You yeah. don't know what they're going through. Um, you know, and I imagine the families that I talk to do go out and they're, they're not going to be cheerful and happy and extending grace because they're going through something horrible. Right. So if you just, you know, for me, I think I wonder what they're going through try to extend grace and do I do it all the time? No, I wish I did. Um, I try to, um, but just realizing that people have stuff. And I think in my job and having dealt with so many families who grieve um, in various ways, you know, I I probably know more than most that families go through things that you're not aware of. Yeah, you know, that's in the background. They're not going to go around telling everyone what's going on, but there's stuff going on. And you had talked about being, being
0: Fairbanks nice. You didn't mm-hmm. really say it like that, but I yeah, was saying that's like a that, thing. Which, and so like, what if we were Fairbanks nice to everyone? Like, if we were in the <laughs> yes. line at the grocery store, right? And there's ladies behind me, and she's jamming me up. I'm like this six feet lady, right. six right. feet, <laughs> right? But what if I knew that that lady. Like, this was her first trip to the grocery store without her husband who died last week. Right. Right? What if I just assumed that? Like, how nice would I be to that lady? I would undo her cart. Like, I would unload her cart. I would... like pay for her groceries. I'll pay for her groceries. Absolutely. I would, like, go Walk pick her up her car. car for her. I, mm-hmm. I, You know what I mean? Like, what if we just operated out of that space all the time? Like, what would it actually cost it would be us? amazing. Well, I mean, it would cost us the groceries. But, like, just being nice. But we like, would feel so good. Right. Because you feel good after you do right. that stuff. Last night at... Uh, LC Downtown. Uh, Letrich has been meeting uh, for most of the pandemic, actually, at our downtown location at Gather on Broadway on Sunday nights at five o'clock. And so, if you're ever uh, itching to get back into a church, uh, we do it differently, though. Downtown, we have even before COVID, we were getting together in circles instead of rows, and around a meal instead of around, I don't know, a celebrity. (laughs) And so, like, um, and so, last night at LC Downtown, we got together, and in our table discussion, because one of the discussion questions last night was what was like the one Christmas present you got as a kid that you remember? Or what was like your best Christmas, right? And so we were around the table and we were talking about, oh, I got a puppy when I was this, and I really got this great video game when I was that or whatever. And then there's one dude, he's like, I haven't, I haven't celebrated Christmas since I was seven. Mm. And I'm like, come on, man. And he's like, and I think that Christmas, my mom like took the broken re- re- bionicle toy from my cousin and just gave it to me put it in a bag and just gave it to me right i'm like are you kidding me right now like because i love christmas like i'm a right. christmas like i love christmas and i over <laughs> <laughs> but not like like i don't go into debt but i just like i love i don't know, like i love giving at christmas you know yep anyway so uh it so happened that He and his friend stepped out during announcements during church last night. So I said, look, there's a guy at my table that hasn't had Christmas since he was seven. So here's this bag, right? And so if you've got gift cards in your purse, if you've got some extra cash or whatever, let's just put this on the bar. And let's, you know, if you've got something, just drop it in the bag and we'll give it to this guy. So maybe this Christmas is better than broken bionicles, right? Well, bless their hearts. Beth, like they filled that bag with cash. Of course they did. Right? Oh. And like, it, it wasn't about like how much money, like I didn't count right. it, right? I said, this isn't tax deductible. Like I'm not <laughs> gonna send you a 1099 or whatever on this. Like it's just, it's just, you know, bless this guy, right? He's his first time here, right? And so I give his bag and he's like, cool. And he's like walking away and he looks in the bag, right? And it's, you know, and like, I loved that moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it wasn't because mm-hmm. of anything that I did, right? But as a, as a church, like we were like assuming the best for this guy and- I don't. Sometimes it costs us money. Sometimes it doesn't. But even just being kind doesn't cost us a stinking thing. But if we just assumed that people were struggling instead of that they're jerks, like it would just be a sweeter world somehow.
2: I agree. I agree. And you said kind, <laughs> and I think of um, I, I have a friend who's very into her kids being kind. You guys need to be kind. You you know kindness. This kind of said kindness is the most important thing but then I see her slamming people on social media, you know, or whatever. So it's funny how we think of kind and we put it in in boxes and categories and I'm kind in this way, but you know, then you just kind of forget, oh, you know, and particularly social media online where it's so easy to say things and do things that aren't kind and not you know, you're not there to see the person's face. Yep. Um, so it's very yep.
0: difficult. And you're leaving it up to where they are in life or where they are in, right. their, in their day to read your words Yes. and to say the words the right way, how you intended them. Right. Because any word can be screwed up or screwed around in such a way that like it could come across as being crappy, right. Or snotty or, Absolutely. you know, and so like, well, you got to stop it. Like leave no doubt that you're loving and yeah. kind. Leave no doubt, you know.
2: I love your, you put a thing on, on Facebook that said, tell your friends you love them, make it weird. Yep, make
0: <laughs> it weird. Yep,
1: make I it love that. yeah make it weird. I love it. Yeah, that's good. He's right. Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. And that's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, do you see this woman? I, I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and she dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? Now watch this because Jesus is such a G. He says, this woman's been forgiven much and she's showing much love, but the person who's shown little love shows how little forgiveness he's received. I mean, this woman, she had no choice but to love Jesus because her love, it was so heavy. She loved him to her core, and that's how I wanna love him. I wanna love Jesus deep inside of me, and that's how I wanna love you. Because when you've been forgiven from much, man, it's just a whole lot easier to love much.
0: I love that. That Sean refers to Jesus as the G That's so funny I think that means gangster I don't know for sure Because Sean talks like he's from Detroit Because he is from Detroit But I feel like that's what that means And I feel like Jesus totally was Like a gangster And I I love that he calls Simon out It also reminds me Because I, I think Because there's that show That's on The internet right now Called The Chosen About mm-hmm. Have you not seen it? Mm-mm. Oh Beth Medford Oh Yeah you gotta run Don't I'm walk. writing it down and so it's this, cause there's a lot of Christian shows that are horrible. In fact, I would say 98.5% of Christian productions are just bad, <laughs> bad, 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 bad acting, bad directing, bad writing, good heart, horrible execution. Anyway, this chosen show, which is from some church out of Dallas. And they, I mean, like it's about Jesus and it's about his disciples, but it's like a little bit of fan fiction, right? There's, It's coloring in some spots of the call of the disciples and like the early ministry of Jesus and like what he was like on a day to day basis that we don't get out of scripture because, you know, the gospels, while they're an account of Jesus, aren't a a novel about Jesus, right? right? Like, and then he went to have something to eat, like it just, and then he fed 5,000, right? So it's not like, (laughs) so what The Chosen does is it talks about that. Anyway, there's this interaction between Jesus and Simon that is fictionalized, right? It's fan fiction but like Simon's like the one rabbi that starts to see Jesus for who he is which is kind of a big deal. So I love that this that the scripture verse comes out of that because like Simon's truly wanting to know like cuz it says in that scripture verse and and then Simon thought to himself or said to himself blah 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 and Jesus is like Simon don't you know so either if you you know what I mean like I love, <laughs> love that it. about him. And so It's like Like.
2: when someone's speaking another language and you know the language they don't know that you know. Yes, I love that. It's fabulous. (laughs) Yes.
0: And so do you speak other languages? I wish. Oh, yeah. I don't speak any (laughs) of those either. So um, if you could speak another language, what language would you like to Spanish. Would you really? Absolutely. Oh, I
2: suppose. It's a goal. I'll do it. I will do it. Cause yes.
0: there's like apps. Like you Especially like now the,
2: after I told you this, Yeah, I'm going go, to go, yep, yep. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> oh,
0: like I want to speak French. I feel like it would do me no good at all. Like there's nothing good I can do with being able to speak French.
2: I took French in high school Did and you? for the same reason, I think I, I thought it was romantic and things yeah. like that. I wish I had taken Spanish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think Spanish would help me out a lot more.
2: I just feel like there are so many Spanish speaking individuals yes. more. So, so I feel like the, I'd be able to communicate with the larger right. you know, group right. of people. That's funny.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so he's, I've totally where we were, but he's, but this, this thing that he's talking about, where, cause he, he, in that scripture verse, Jesus also talks about like, if two people were forgiven a debt and one was forgiven, mm-hmm. you know, 5,000, whatever, but one was forgiven 50, who would be the most appreciative of the forgiveness? And the guy that was forgiven 5,000, right? But listen, if you don't know this, let me like a news flash for you or a spoiler alert, like. It's 5,000. You've been forgiven 5,000. Even if you've been a Jesus person your whole life or you've been in church your whole life or you always wear khakis and polo shirts (laughs) or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to pick on old Scott, but I'm just saying, like, I just feel like sometimes we feel like we've always dressed the part and worked the part and acted the part and went to church every Sunday. Somehow we, we have less that we've been forgiven. And listen, just because you're not on death row doesn't mean you have less to be forgiven. Like any kind of hate that you have in your head or in your heart is just as ugly to God as drunkenness and orgies and everything else. Like they're all classified by God the same way. And so we all have much that's been forgiven. So we should all be loving, you know, in a opposite and equal share. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah.
2: Right. And forgiveness, I think is so powerful for us as humans to forgive others. Yeah. You know, and we get that from Jesus, from his example. Um, Bit of a personal story. So I paused to see if I even want to share but I will. So um, my, ex-husband, the reason that we got divorced was, was an affair. Um, and I, for the longest time, really blamed the other person, not realizing it really wasn't her initiative. So, um, I was actually in alpha here when we were talking about forgiveness Mm. and I shared with a small group and I said, how do you forgive someone who, if she walked in that door right now, I would probably vomit. Yeah. Like just that much visceral reaction. Yes, um, And we had a really good discussion about it. And, um, you know, it was just so early in that process. And about a year later, uh, having thought and journaled and all, and having come to forgiveness to her um, and wanting to tell her that I forgave her, that um, that I wished her no ill will. Yeah. Um, I ran into her actually <gasps> in... in target of all places. And I, her back was to me and I called her name and she turned around and she looked at me. And at first she had this look of recognition, like happy recognition, like, oh, a friend. And then she realized who it was and her face fell and she just started sobbing. And I opened my arms to her and she came to me and we embraced and we both started sobbing. Um, and I said, I forgive you. And I'm I said, I'm sorry for how I acted too, because afterwards, of course, I was pretty hurt and I said some pretty hurtful things and she just kept saying how sorry she was. Um, and we talked a little bit, you know, it's not like I want to, I want to go, she was a friend of mine. So, but not like I want to restart that friendship or anything, but it was like, similar to how I felt at my brother's wake when I, when I knew without a doubt, there was a God, it was like this huge lifting from my shoulders. Um, and it's never come back. Like I, I just, it's so peaceful to forgive. It's so healing to forgive. Um, and again, when I was in that alpha group, I couldn't have imagined it. Yeah. But again, this is just part of that journey that I, that I started on in the time that it came into my life. Um, and I think if I hadn't given that forgiveness, I would have that weight on me and I would be projecting that weight to other people, yes. you know, so having forgiven, having just extended that grace, um, it allows me to again, go back to that joyful person that I was born right. as, right. um, because it's infectious, be, right? Yes. Like unforgiveness is infectious. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so healing.
0: Mm. Cause I feel like a lot of people, when they think about forgiveness, they think about releasing other people from the burden of their, disc- mm. their, uh, like their hurt, right? Like it's like you hurt me. And so I'm not going to forgive you because right. I don't want to release you from that burden.
2: It doesn't like, release yourself.
0: I would imagine that most people don't even carry a burden if they were, if they were, if they were hateful enough, or if they were resentful enough, or contemptible enough mm-hmm. to hurt you, they're probably not carrying any regret about that. Really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it seems like you're this lady. In was this an case, exception. she was. Yeah, she yeah. was.
2: And part of my healing from that was knowing that I'd lifted at least a portion of that burden yeah. for her. Because I don't want to be a burden to others either. Like as I said, go back. Right. I'm a healer. I'm a. Yeah. I'm by nature someone who likes to help people and, um, but I feel make you like feel good.
0: Sorry, I jumped on you. That's
2: okay. That's okay.
0: So it's like moving, like, it's like moving a student's desk. Like one of those desks that are in students <laughs> rooms where there's like a, a place where you sit and it's just like two legs and then the tabletop and then the drawers are all on one side. Yeah. You know, those kind of desks I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. So when forgiveness is kind of like that desk, but, and so if you're carrying that desk with this person, they're carrying the lighter end. You're the carrying the heavier end. I love that end. analogy. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, cause I feel like, like you had felt in the target. Like when you were able to forgive her or express that forgiveness, it was releasing you from Uh. the burden. You weren't like letting them off a hook, you know, as much as you were letting yourself off the hook. And it's that stuff that you are hanging on to, the weight of the, the heavy side of the desk, that's like, that's exhausting. And that's, like I said, that's, that's, that's what's infectious. That's like, and it doesn't just affect, you know, that one relationship, but like you said, it affects every relationship not that you're in right now, but even future ones, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, it's, you're not a good person when you're sitting in a place of unforgiveness, not again, so that you can release someone else, but so you can release yourself. In Alpha, they talk about how unforgiveness is like, is like uh, taking taking poison yes. hoping it kills them yes you know what I mean yes. like what the, no it's not that's not <laughs> how it works you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna so mad I'm just gonna sit on this and I'm not gonna rah, 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 and you're like oh my gosh honey you're just wearing mm-hmm. yourself out but it is hard
2: yeah, I know. when you've been hurt you know it takes time mm-hmm. and that that was an important lesson for me was um because I'm sitting in alpha thinking what's wrong with me yeah that I can't forgive this person but I think just journaling, praying you know, uh, going through that process, feeling, feeling the feeling, as my therapist would say, just sit with yeah. it. Um, eventually I was able to come to it and, yeah. and letting myself off the hook that I couldn't come to it immediately, I think was key as well. That's Cause we so have cool. to give empathy to ourselves as well.
0: Yeah. I'm really bad at that.
2: Yeah, I know.
1: Let's go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus knew love would always require a choice. Otherwise it wouldn't have required a commandment. Because God knew we wouldn't love ourselves, let alone love others.
0: The commandment that Sean's talking about there is uh, the commandment from Deuteronomy that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But later in Deuteronomy or someplace else in the Old Testament, it also talks about how you should love your enemies, you should love your neighbor as yourself, that whole bit. And so it comes up in Sean's sermon because someone that was trying to trick Jesus, it seems like they spent a lot of time, the Pharisees, the People with ill intent spent a lot of time trying to trick Jesus into saying something that would cause them or give them reason to stone him or kill him or whatever. And so they were trying to trick Jesus into picking his side. So he was like, Rabbi, this guy says, you know, what is the greatest commandment? Hoping that he'll pick one so they can say the other and then they can, you know, kill him or whatever. Anyway, and Jesus said, well, that's easy. It's love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul. But just as important. So he's saying 1A, right? Or the second (laughs) half of one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so like he kind of like again, the original G, right where he's like he circumvents the trick and in fact turns the tables on this guy. And so it wasn't until like two in the last two weeks Beth that I've been thinking about this and I never thought about it before even though I knew the truth of it was that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind and soul by loving our neighbor as ourselves. Mm-hmm. That that I I can't I can't like pick up God's tab, right? Like I can't, oh, let me get this for breakfast or let me go wash your car or let me, you know, take care of your plants while you're on vacation or these other things that we do out of love. Let me put a shirt on your back. Let me give you a bag full of money two days before Christmas. I can't do that for God. I can do it for that kid, right? On Sunday night. And so I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind and soul by loving my neighbor as myself. And I feel like that's why those things are joined at the hip, Right. Because I can't do one without the other. I'm not showing one without showing the other. Right. And if I think I'm showing God love by making sure I make it to church or following what I think his rules are, I'm underperforming my faith. Right.
2: I get that. Yeah. I get that. And I think of. I'm not sure I uh,
0: understand. Sorry, Siri doesn't <laughs> understand. Siri I'm going to talk to understand. Siri about it later.
2: Um, I love the analogy of God as a father. And I. I having been thrust into now kind of single life dating world. I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but I think about um, when you're dating someone, they've got to love your kids or they're out, right? If you're, if you're going to make a life with someone, you would never, if you come into it with children, um, one of the ways that that person would show love to you is showing your kids love. And I feel like that for me, that's what I think of when I think of, how do I show God love? I show God love by loving myself because I'm one of his children and loving his other children. You know, when I think yeah. about my kids fighting, like quit fighting kids, you know, yeah. same thing. Like yeah. you it doesn't make parents happy when you fight and when you're mean to each other, you know, parents want all their children to get along and love each other and to love themselves. Um, so that's what that says to me.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's got to be about love.
1: Yeah before we ever thought of loving him. He was already loving us. It's why God's love required a gift because he knew we wouldn't love ourselves. And so he had to provide the gift, the ultimate gift. And he did that because he loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whosoever chooses to believe in him will never perish, but will always have eternal life.
0: Okay, of course, this famously this is John three sixteen, right? So if there's if there's a if there's like a I don't know, go to verse of our faith, it's John three sixteen. I remember as a kid, for a while there, there was this crazy guy that would be at all the big sporting events with like crazy rainbow hair and a crazy rainbow beard that held up the John three sixteen sign. I feel like this is like the tent pole of our faith. We never live that way. I don't feel like we live that way. We live like God so loved the world that he gave all these rules that you need to follow so that you can stay out of hell, right? Or like for God so loved the world that he, you know, I don't know, like we come up with all these other things, but that's right. not what the, what the verse says at all, that he loved the, that he loved the world so much that he gave his son, Not that he gave us rules or that he gave us things that we had to meet because he knew that we would never be able to meet them. Right. He knows full well that on our own, we can never live up to his love, his grace. His expectations. I don't know if that last one's theologically sound. I'll have to look up to that. But I feel like, like, what the requirements would be of our faith, right? Like, like we can't fulfill the law on our own. So if we think of not just the Ten Commandments, but all the commandments, right? When we think about the law, because a lot of us talk about, I can't stand religion because it's so legalistic, and all these things that I can and can't, I don't know. No one actually ever talks that way, but sometimes <laughs> I pretend that they do. I'll never be able to follow those rules, so I'll never be good enough for, for God, so I'm never going to get into heaven, so I'm just going to enjoy myself right here. I'm like, that's never been how it's supposed to work. He knows that we can't. He knew from the start that we couldn't. So we tried, right? We tried all these different ways of, I don't know, animal sacrifices and all this other stuff and trying to obey, but we would always fail. We'd always let him down. And so he's like, so the, the one way to make sure that this gets done is for me to, for me to pay the price for you, for me to say, I'll take on the burden of your sin. And all you have to do to earn that is just say that you love me, that you believe in me, that you believe in my son, Jesus, that he was born, that he lived, that he did amazing things and taught amazing lessons. And then. He died, and three days later he rose, and now he's preparing a place for us to go. If you believe all those things, your price is paid. Like that's – so I'm trying to think of what it like, would look like in this father-child relationship metaphor, right? Because you said you really <laughs> love that. And so that's like me telling my son this is really bad. I shouldn't – but like saying, hey, you got to make your bed every day. I know full well that Abe, my kid that's at home, is not going to make his bed every day. He's just not. He can't. He doesn't have the capacity, right. you know, and I'll remind him, Hey buddy, can you make your bed? Yeah, sure. You got it. Right after this game of Valorant, I'll get her over there. And he just doesn't mm-hmm. right. You know? And so like, but like I'm going to make his bed before, you know, and I know that I need to make him. Like, This is a whole nother conversation. We could talk about this in a parenting podcast. I'm trying to draw an analogy here. So just stick with me without judging me as a dad, but I just feel like that's, that's kind of like what God does. Like he knows like we're going to try and right. he just wants us to try. Just try, try not to not make your bed. Can you just try not to not make your bed? Right. You know, so that's what he's telling you, like, you're going to sin. Try not to sin. Right. Right. Just try not to. Right. And maybe you'll get a little bit further today than you did yesterday. Maybe you'll love a little bit harder today than you did yesterday. So it's just progress. And so as a parent, that's all I'm looking for out of my kid. If he made his bed two days out of five or two days out of seven, right, and then next week he made it three out of seven, I'm like, all right, I feel good about his progress. (laughs) So I kind of feel like sometimes that's how God looks at, it. I don't know if, listen, if you're a Bibleologist, I don't know who's ever <laughs> in charge of reading the Bible and this doesn't line up, you can write me a letter, um, or an email, but like, I just feel like that's kind of how God, I, that's how I see my God. Like he knows that I'm never going to get it right, but he sees in me the efforts to try.
2: Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Um, you know, we tell our kids all, you know, we're trying to raise decent human beings. Right. And I feel like that's what God is
0: trying to do yes. too. He's trying yep. to raise
2: decent human beings and no more can he make us do things than I can make my 13 year old do things, right. but I'm going to keep on him. And yeah, I get angry at him because, you know, because I worry about him, right? but I still love him yep. and I still would do anything for him. And sometimes I don't bail him out because I feel like that's better for him yep. just as we're not bailed out because right. it's better for us. Um, You know, you talk about uh, this is kind of the relationship with God and the feeling. And one thing I didn't mention, I, I, my mom was Jewish. My dad's atheist. Well, I went to Catholic school. No kidding. (laughs) No kidding. So, uh, you know, um, I never felt any, you know, I did mass every Wednesday in Catholic school, but I never felt um, anything but Hmm. boredom. Um, And in fact, it was a, it was something I dreaded because I was one of very few non-Catholic kids in the school. There were a couple Jewish kids. Um, And so when mass came around every Wednesday as, you know, a middle schooler who doesn't want to stand out, everyone else gets up to take communion. And I'm sitting there looking at the other couple Jewish kids. Um, I dreaded it. And, that was kind of my feeling for religion for uh, many, many, many years. Sure. And so coming into life church and feeling what I felt and seeing what I see and, you know, it's not, um, about rules and it's not about, it's, it's just about love. And I, I think don't get me wrong. I think a lot of people feel that in the Catholic church for sure. I think that, yep. you know, if you agreed, if that's my sister's Catholic, her, um, husband's Catholic, and I think they feel that. And I think that's amazing. And fantastic. I just did not get that from that particular, um, environment, yep. but it's so wonderful. And so, you know, looking back, I wish that I had found that sooner, but then at the same time, I feel like God brought it to me when I needed it and when I was ready to embrace it and accept it. So, perfect. um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, yeah,
0: but nope, it's perfect. I love that. <laughs> Beth. it was so good to have you on this podcast today. I thought it was really enjoyable. Like I don't even know where the time went. It's been like an hour already. <laughs> Anyway, so I hope you can come back again, maybe. We can do this again. Listen, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please suggest it to a friend, like share it with a friend or subscribe to this podcast. Listen, if you can do us a favor and rate the podcast, that'd be even better so that way other people can find it because we really feel like um, our faith and who we are in God and who we are in Jesus is worth exploring and worth discussing. And so it's not a matter of religion. It's not a matter of catechisms or churches or dogmas or rules and regulations. It's all just a matter of love and life. And we'd love to help you connect with that. So thanks for joining us. Uh, I'll talk to you next time on Chew On That.